0: might need this. Just because I can. Let's try it. I like poo. Winnie the poo. What day is it? Asked Pooh. It's today. Squeaked Piglet. My favourite day, said Pooh. Today. Today. Today has never happened before. Today is never going to happen again. Today is the point that God's given us for this moment to make a difference. The writer of Hebrews puts it like this. He says, um, he instructs us to encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. today. You see, we're in a special time. We're in a time when we have todays. There's going to be a time when actually the days are going to just go on forever. I sat in a... in, a, in school the other day, in a lesson, with my mind drifting, it wasn't a physics lesson, it was an RE lesson. And um, in my school, sometimes we have to sit with classes while they're getting on with something. And um, the librarian has ordained that we should all have pithy quotes written on the wall to help our children reflect and be enriched and so on. And in this RE classroom, there was this quote on the wall. I won't tell you who said it, because it will probably mean you don't listen to it. Don't dwell in the past. Don't dream of the future. Concentrate the mind on the present moment. It comes from another religion, actually. It's something that is alleged to have been said by somebody called Buddha, who some of you might have heard of. But, you know, Paul writes in Colossians, he says, these things are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality is found in Christ. There's a shadow in that truth. I think there's something true about not worrying about what's to come. I think there's something true about not being too fixated with yesterday. Right now, this is a very, very important time. And there is a real power in today. Doesn't want to go ahead. Try again. Try that way. That way, hey, okay, was that you or me? Okay, cool. So today is God's moment. It's his his gift to us. What we do next, what we do next, has never happened before. This is where the power of choice is active. The other week, I talked to you. I encouraged us to remember that actually, whatever the enemy might say to us. We always have a choice about what happens next. We always have that ability to decide. The enemy might want to make us think that we're constrained by some kind of thought process that always goes on in us. I'm always like this. No, God has given you the ability to choose, to choose between right and wrong, to choose which way to turn. And there's a tremendous power in that choice. This is where we can kick the enemy into touch, or we can curl up next to him on the map. If you're quiet in this moment, we can actually hear him. I'm going to read from a a passage. I think it'll be familiar to you. A large number of people followed him, including the women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come, we'll say, Blessed are the barren women, the wombs never bore, and the breasts never nursed. Then they'll say to the mountains, Fall on us, and the hills cover us. For if men do things like these when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, They crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching. The rulers even sneered at him, and they said, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ, the chosen one. The soldiers came up and mocked him, and they offered him wine vinegar and said, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the King of the Jews. This is Jesus' now, remember. We're reading an old story, but this is what Jesus is going through. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him said, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him and said, Don't you fear God, since you're under the same sentence? We were punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me in paradise. You know, that promise that Jesus gave to the criminal, it's real. He was speaking about a moment when God had reached down into the kingdom of the earth and had changed the destiny of that man on the cross. That was a today moment. And we go through our lives with today moments all around us. And what I think God wants us to do is to reach out and grab those today moments. There are times when we know, we've been hearing about some of them this morning. There are today moments when what we say Has eternal significance. And God wants us to to wake up to that. He spoke those words as he came to the end of his earthly life, like ours. When Jesus was born, to the moment he was crucified and died, he got up in the morning, he went through his life, he went to bed at night, he got older. And yet, the Gospel of John tells us, in the very beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word was Jesus. Jesus was eternal, is eternal, has always existed, yet for some miraculous reason, you. God sent his Son into the earth to live like we live, to come and be constrained by the fact it was dinner time. Be constrained by the fact he got tired and needed to sleep, to be constrained into the pattern of our lives, so that he could show us how we could live. And at that moment when Jesus died, the kingdom came. The kingdom came. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, said the thief. I tell you to tell you the truth. Today, today you'll be with me in paradise. That slide gives you the whole history, the whole history of the universe. There's a time before Jesus came, there's a time after Jesus came, and there will be a time when he comes again. And the kingdom of God is this really kind of weird thing. Jesus spent a lot of time talking about it, one of the things he's talked about most of all. And we have to accept that the kingdom has come, that it comes, and that it will come. But today is the day when the kingdom is coming. And every time you come to that moment of choice, you have an option to go with the kingdom. You have an option to say, the kingdom of God is going to increase through me, through what I say, through what I do, through how I am. Someone once said to me, you know, I, I don't think I'm hearing God very well. And um, I didn't, didn't explore this at the time as much as I'd like to have done. But I'm just thinking about it now. You know, God speaks far more about how we are than what we do. And when sometimes when we say we're not hearing God, it's because we're, we're listening for the wrong answer. Actually, God speaks continuously about how we are. And so what we need to be doing is thinking about responding to those things that we can pick up. And that's that opportunity. Now, on that timeline, we're here. Well, actually, of course, we might be there. And actually, of course, we might be there. We don't really know where we are, because actually, and any time anyone says you know where they are, it's kind of gone a bit loopy, because the Bible tells us that actually no one knows the day or hour when Jesus will return. What we do know is that we have to seek the kingdom now. And the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing, and it is this stone that's going to fill the whole earth, and we are part of his design his divine purpose in bringing that kingdom into being. We're living in this time which for some churches is a really dead time because some churches that aren't really churches at all talk about Jesus coming and now we just need to hold on because he's coming again. But actually, because the kingdom of God is here, Those that choose to bow the knee can taste of the kingdom to come. The powers of the age to come are breaking through. It says there are scriptures. Sorry, there there is there are signs of what's to come. And when we worship, there are times when we can be in that sort of place. Now it's not an eternal place because we're not there anymore. We're here now. We're in a different place, and and uh, and so that that's different. But we can get a glimpse of what is to come. And God's designed us, as his people, to grab hold of those things. This moment, wherever we are, all the people... Well, we do know that everyone who's come before us is further to the left, I suppose we do know that. But wherever we are has never been before. So churches, some churches say, well, actually nothing much is going to happen. Others, they spend forever looking for the age to come. But you know something, we need both. We need the perspective of what has happened. We need the perspective of what is, where God is grounding his kingdom into the earth today. And we also need to know that there are some things that will be changed then. There are some things which actually we have to rest. We know that there will be a moment when we're all changed. As the Bible talks about that. We shall be changed. Just, oh, I could burst into a bit of the Messiah, but I won't. But, but you know, there is, there is a truth about that, that God comes and he makes that difference. Yet, he also allows us to be involved in making changes now. So that's, uh, that's, that's that. So, okay. So here's a funny thing. So here's the Keep Calm posters. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why do we need a verse like that in the Bible? Hebrews 13, 8. Well, because actually, nothing else is the same. Did you know that? It isn't the same today as it was yesterday. This is a unique moment in God's creation. And he's given us that ability to experience the passing of time. In Jesus, he too experienced the passing of time. Yet God is eternal and unchanging. He's created us to experience this life with a past, present, and future. And this present moment, this has a very special place in his plan for us. Now, do you ever have shouting moments? I'll tell you what I mean by shouting moment. I don't mean, obviously, with real people, obviously, because I never shout at people. But... Sometimes I have shouting moments in the car when I'm listening to Radio 4, which is probably a sign of my age, listening to Radio 4. I could have a shouting moment listening to Absolute Radio, but it doesn't happen quite so often. No, it doesn't. Anyway, um, I was having a shouting moment as I listened to Radio 4, and there was a man, a, a man on there presenting some programme or other all about, it was the, the public philosopher or something, and there was someone on there called Susan Blackmore, well, I'm... I wouldn't recommend you find out too much about. But let, she's a very, very clever lady. She's got a degree from St. Hilda's Oxford. She was talking all about... Um, she's done a load of research into parapsychology and mumbo and whatnots. She had out-of-body experiences and so on. And she's since discovered, believe it or not, that most of the people that believe in these things, out-of-body experiences, you know they're, they're charlatans and they're they're actually, you know, they're, they're con artists, they're not actually engaged in the real world. And so what she's decided is it's her mission to show how all spirituality is wrong. Well, of course, isn't that a load of nonsense? So you pick on something which is the most extreme, you try it, you find that actually the people that were around you were conning you, and then you say, oh, the whole of religion, the whole of spirituality, more particularly, is rubbish. Not only that, she was on this program telling me that I didn't have a free will, that I didn't actually have the ability to decide when to have a drink. Because when I have a drink, I have a drink for a whole load of other chemical reasons that are going on in my body, apparently. And when I pick up my drink and I drink it, that's actually all down to the chemicals that are going on in my body. And I thought about this, and I thought, how is it that someone who has invested so much time in thinking can become so divorced from the reality that we all know. Greg is having a drink, as I speak to you. And he's not having a drink because there are chemicals pumping around his body telling him, you need to have a drink now, Greg. Otherwise, none of us could control our bodies at all. (laughs) You know, I mean, it's like... Could I deny myself? Uh, Yes. Deny myself and pick up my cross and follow him. I think, yes. What she's talking about is never having experienced the ability to deny herself. Anyway, I have nothing against this lovely lady. I'm sure she's really nice. But I was shouting at her as I drove home on uh, whatever day of the week it was. She feels she's on a, clo- she's on a crusade. She had, was on a crusade to show those close-minded scientists that consciousness could reach beyond the body. But now I've decided it's all a fraud. Well, meet the Holy Spirit and you'll feel different, Susan. See, here's the thing. So if we're in this place where this is now and, um, and uh, the kingdom is to come, kingdom has come and the kingdom is coming so there's a place for both reminiscing oh sorry reminiscing that is remembering the things that might have happened remembering the good things that God has done and there's a place also to dream and have visions about all that which is to come now, the slide shows, is, a, is, a, is a slide that shows, like, the ages of life, yeah? And depending on where you are on the continuum, I'm told, I've read it in a book, you're tending to be those that look more forward than backward. Although I have a feeling that the fellow at the beginning here, he's really not looking very far forward at all. I think he's just thinking about what's happening in the next moment, which is possibly why God tells us we need to become like children. There is a place for dreaming dreams. Of course there is. And the prophet Joel talks about that old men dream dreams and young men have vision. We have to see beyond where we are. But if our, our seeing of that detracts us from where we are, then we're going to miss what God wants us to do today. And today, as I've said to you, is a really important moment. I don't want to be ruled by my physical age. Both dreams and visions are good. We need to engage with them now. So if, you, if you're in a place where maybe you look back a bit too much, then here's, here's some things I think might, might bubble up as being problems. If you tend to look back too much, you can be troubled by sin, which God has dealt with. But Jeremiah 31 tells us, I will remember their sin no more. We can remember things we've got wrong sometimes. But when when God promises to forget our sin, to deal with it through Jesus, it means it's dealt with. It means it can't be dug up again. Um, You know, God wants us to have a, a daily experience of him. Now, sometimes our emotional experience is different. And sometimes we'll have good days and we'll have bad days. But you know, God wants us to be closer to him today than we've ever been. And if that isn't true then I think we tend to hark back to a time when we've been closer. And God wants us to be in that place of saying, you know, this is the day that the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. We tend to be those that would rely on what happened before rather than listening for the now word of God. And we tend to see people as they have been rather than as they might become. It can make us a bit lazy, really, actually, that last one. And it's really important... I'm going to give some examples, um, stories. It's really important that we stay alert to what God is saying when we meet people, even if we've known them before, particularly when we've known them before. See, I'll give you a trivial example. There was a time when I served in this this place, and I was with a a bunch of people... um, David, you'll remember this. When I was seen uh, as a bit of a dinosaur when it came to technology, uh, quite a major dinosaur. And what was really bizarre was I would go from here, where everyone sat there on their laptops, and I just sat there with my notebook. So I was a, I was a dinosaur. I'm exaggerating slightly. But then when I was at school, people would come up to me loads of time and ask me for help with their computers because they get stuck. And I said to somebody, and it may have been you, Dave. You know, it's really weird. When I'm in this context, everyone thinks I don't know one end of a PC from the other. And then I went, and when I'm at school, everyone thinks I'm like this kind of IT guru who, who, can, who can solve... It. Don't laugh, Steve. Please don't laugh. Look, I realize the context is important. Yeah. In the kingdom of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. I think that's the saying, isn't it? But, but um, you know, the, the thing is that actually people had subconsciously put a bit of a label on me saying, oh, he doesn't really know how computers work. He doesn't really understand websites. Whereas actually, what was bizarre was that was, that was kind of stopping me from being involved in some things, which I could make a difference in. And um, sometimes we can do that, and that's a trivial example, but we can do that in a number of different ways. So I think what God's saying is we need to be aware that that can happen so that we can be alert to what God is saying today. So... Now, if we look forward too much, we can miss what God's done today. Um, You know, the scripture I I had uh, in the meeting beforehand, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. You know, it's great to say that, and we did this this morning. We had a list of people, a group of people, come forward, give thanks for things that God had done, which is really important that we do that. But actually God also wants us to be able to say that when when things just aren't right. (laughs) When your leg hurts or when you've got a headache or when that person at work is really behaving badly towards you and you've got to deal with that. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. You know, we can also, if we're looking forward too much... We can miss out on the, on the call of God for where we are. The writer of Ecclesiastes says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. You know, what you've got in your hands, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, quite likely, what you've got in your hands is something that you can offer to him. And when you offer that to him, whether that's your school studies, whether that's your, your day job, whether that's uh, bringing up your children, whether that's uh, looking after an elderly relative, whatever it is, do it with all you might, and it can be your calling. It can be what God has given you to do. But I want to do this, I want to do that. Well, yes, but right now, I want to get on with this present moment, which is where I am, and I don't want to miss it. When the disciples were talking to him about the harvest we were praying into this at the monthly prayer meeting this week, uh, last week. In John 4 35, Jesus says, Don't say four more months, four months more, and then the harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe to harvest. I think what was going on in the disciples there was saying, Well, we're, not, we're just not quite ready. We're not, we'll just get this thing organized. We'll just make sure that when all these people are added, you know, we'll have the structures in place to deal with what we need. The fields are ripe to harvest today. And the big, big thing when we're looking forward too much is we can be un, uh, lack thankfulness for what, what we have. And that applies to people as well. So say, say I'm, I'm really keen that's, that, you know, this person, that, uh, oh, you know, he would be so good if they could lose that thing, whatever it is that we feel is on God's agenda. Well, actually, there's a whole load of other things that God has dealt with that we can be thankful for. And that person is a unique person in my now. And at any moment, Jesus returns. I don't want to be caught when Jesus returns just sort of thinking, well, you know, it would have been all right if I dealt with this. I want to be in a place where I can enjoy this moment Jesus got quite, in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew 6, he talks a lot about tomorrow. You know, he says things like in verse 27, who of you can, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See, the lilies of the field, they, they don't labour or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, all his splendour, was, uh, was not dressed like one of these. And if this... Uh, if, If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you? Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I mean, Jesus there is presenting a particular thing. So when we're talking about dealing with stuff of the day, he's talking about trouble of the day. But, you know, when he lived and walked amongst us, we'll come on to an example of some time when he allowed God to speak right into someone's life and make a big difference. So we need to be those that live in the now of God. When he taught us to pray, also in Matthew 6, he said one of the lines is, Give us today our daily bread. Not let us have a big stash of it so we can cope for a fortnight. You know, sometimes when I used to go away on holiday with my mum and dad when I was a kid, I mean, this must be how things have changed, but maybe it's not. But we used to go away, and somehow my mum had in her head that she wouldn't be able to buy anything when we got there. So we'd be going away for a fortnight, and she would go down to the local co-op, which is where we used to buy all our food, and get trolley loads of stuff. So you put in your suitcase, which in my day... Lydia, was about this size, okay? <laughs> you put that into the back of the car. You put my mum's luggage in the back as well, which was about this size. And then next to it, you get this crate of foods, which was so that, because where we were going, they might not have the stuff we normally have. And we drive off and survive hardly buying anything apart from the bread and the milk during the, during the fortnight. We can be a bit like that. God. We can try and stash all our stuff with us, uh, as if somehow, when we get to work, we're not going to be able to to get anything. I remember one time walking up the science department stairs where I work, and I had a little song come into my head, uh, and it was, "Come, now is the time to worship. Come, now is the time to give your heart, just as you are to worship." And um, I had this little song. I might have got all the lines when I was thinking at school. I thought, oh, silly. That's a really silly song. Why on earth am I thinking of that song? That's for Sunday morning. And I heard immediately, no, it's not. No, it's not. As I went up the stairs to teach year nine, that was the time to worship. That was the time to give my heart, just as I was to worship, just as I am before my God. And... Um, so, don't take everything with you. Understand that tomorrow you'll need your daily bread. You need your daily bread today. You need your daily bread tomorrow. The word daily bread, it's like the word daily, it just means essential stuff. There's a lovely picture of bread there. Of course, in Exodus 16, we read about this time when the Israelites have, been, have escaped from the clutches of Egypt, where they've been being beaten and slaves and really bad things have been happening. Miraculous provision of God has, you know, parted Red Sea and led to them uh, being released and, and able to enter uh, to a desert, and there's no food. And they're all upset about the fact there's no food. And they say, actually, it would have been better that we'd stayed under slavery than be here because we're just going to starve out here. And God sends this stuff. And they didn't know what it was, so they said, what is it? Which is manna. That's what you say. If you don't know what it is, you say, what is it? I think, I'm pretty sure. But anyway, this stuff appeared on the floor. And this stuff was their daily bread. And every day they had to go out and gather it in, what they needed for the day. Now some of them decided... I know, I'm going to take Neil's mum's approach, I'm going to take a big stash of this stuff just in case it doesn't appear tomorrow. And do you know what happened? It went mouldy. You can't keep what God provides today for tomorrow. You've got to use it today. But know that tomorrow there's more stuff. There's more stuff. Every time, they went, they went, there was one time they were allowed to keep it, by the way. What, did anyone know when they were allowed to take a double quantity? Day before the Sabbath, because they weren't allowed to go out and pick the, pick the bread on the, on the Sunday, the Sabbath, their Sabbath. And um, so God allowed them to take an extra quantity, and it didn't go rotten on that day. And I got to thinking about this story, and I, I was thinking, so what what might God be saying about us in terms of today for that. Well, it's about living in God's daily provision, trusting in him. Every time they went to bed, they had to trust while they were sleeping this dewy stuff was going to happen and there was going to be food outside. They weren't just like ten of them. <laughs> and they had children and elderly people that would have needed extra care for whom going without food would have been a tremendous thing. But every day they went to bed, they had to trust that in the morning there would be bread there for them. Now, of course, they were in the desert, so I suppose they didn't have a lot of other choice. There was no one else giving them food. So, hey. But that's a bit like us, you know. There's no one else can feed you like Jesus feeds you. So we have to trust in him for what we need. We need to put up with, we need to receive what he gives now, they might not, have not, they might not have wanted manna. You know, if it was my kids, they'd have wanted you know, pepperoni pizza. But manna was what came, and manna's what you got. But it was what they needed. And it meant that they had everything they needed every day. So it also means about following instructions for not gathering more. If they took too much, the food went sour. And actually, it struck me that there's a limit to my labor. Now, I don't want to mix two things here. Oh, but I'm going to. I think man is about spiritual provision. But I also think it's about material stuff. And there is a place where we can become so focused on getting enough that we, what we have can become full of maggots. So, and there's a place where our day job can become our provider rather than the Lord. We can feel like that is. So I just, 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 I don't want to gather too much and find that what I've got in my tent has gone full of maggots. I want to take what God gives me. It struck me that there have been times when I know I've taken on extra things and then you kind of, you end up receiving it, the payment for what you've done, but it's not really, it's not, it's been fairly full of maggots really, to be honest, by the time you've got it. And at that point, I have to come back to God and say, Lord, I want to be obedient to you. I want to do just what you give me to do. I don't want to be just gathering. I want to be in your will, following your purpose. So, Don't dwell in the past. Don't dream of the future. Concentrate the mind on the present moment. A people thankful for their journey, which is what I say, excited about their future and fully engaged in their present time. Thankful for your journey, excited about the future, but fully engaged in the present time. I think that's how I would put it. So how did Jesus make the todays happen. I just want to take one example. This is Jesus uh, entering Jericho in Luke 19. I'm not sure whether he looked like that, but it's how he looks on the PowerPoint I stole from somewhere. But it's a nice PowerPoint. It's got nice images. So this is just to make sure you don't nod off. And if there is someone who's nodded off near to you, give them a quick <laughs> and then that will... Well, not too hard, Alan. Because Anyway, um, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, poor fellow, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree. He climbed the sycamore tree because he knew that Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus looked up, he saw the sycamore tree and saw Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, you come down, Jesus said. I'm going to your house today. So he came down and he welcomed him gladly. But all the other people saw this and started to mutter. He's gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to to the Lord, 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 here, now look, I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'll pay them back four times that amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So I just want to, every time Jesus meets with someone, it's there today. I just want to take that moment just to think about that. It's there today. Now, you see, Jesus could have known Zacchaeus better. Well, he couldn't because he's Jesus, obviously. But let's suppose we pretend that Jesus was a fella walking along the road like us, and we see him in the tree. And let's say the Lord hasn't revealed everything about Zacchaeus, And he could have just welcomed him down. But actually, Zacchaeus was pretty messed up. And anyone who knew Zacchaeus, they'd have said to him, you're wasting your time. He's too caught up in money. He's doing really well for himself. He might not be that happy. We don't know. All I know is he's got my money. But when Jesus met with him in that moment of today, Everything was different. So my encouragement to you is to say, watch out for the Zacchaeuses that are around you, the ones that you've written off as being like they are. Say, Lord, what's on your heart today? They won't all be Zacchaeus moments, but some of them will, and I don't want to miss them. Isaiah 49 says, this is what the Lord says, in the time of my favour I will answer you and in the day of salvation I will help you. I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people to restore the land and reassign its desolate inheritances. Paul writes, in the time of my favour I heard you and the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the Day of salvation. See, in this in this story, it seems to me that Jesus demonstrates a supreme security in that now moment. He could have been much more caught up. He was very busy. I mean, he was teaching crowds. I mean, there's all these people he could be touching and, and being with and influencing. And he actually just focuses on the one who's hanging up in the tree, who nobody likes, who's stolen lots of money, and he focuses on that one. We read elsewhere that Jesus has a security, had that security because he knew that he'd come from God and that he was returning to God. He knew his yesterday. He knew his tomorrow. So today, he got up, and at that time, in John 13, he washes the disciples' feet. Here, he's got that security to say, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. So because of that place of security, he's not, putting off, he's not put off speaking with that outcast. He's not, he's not sort of dissuaded. And he sets aside whatever plans he might have made in his diary. I have no idea. He probably, you know... Today, Jesus would have, you know, obviously an Android phone and would have the calendar synchronizing with his Outlook on his desktop and be able to connect, you know. Or maybe it would be an iPhone. No, it wouldn't be an iPhone. It would be a U-phone. No, anyway, that's another story. He would set aside all his preferences. He set aside all his preferences and the opinion of others. And he releases grace in that story through forgiveness. So, I wonder how many people had tried to get through to Zacchaeus before, if anyone had. But, you know, it occurred to me, you know, in the story, I know, I know Jesus, when he dies, there is no one else with him. But there are good people amongst the Jews of that day. They're not all the Pharisees. People like Joseph of Arimathea. You know, people that, whose heart was for God. I wonder how... Many might have spoken to Zacchaeus before and tried to encourage him to be different. And how many of those might have lost heart and decided, actually, you know what? He's not going to change. But Jesus, Jesus came, and he made the difference. So... So I think that today is a very significant time. Today's never happened before. When we look in the, in the stories that we've looked at here, whether it's the provision of, for our, our daily lives, whether it's the impact that Jesus makes on some miserable tax collector, whether, whether we're looking... At what Paul writes about in his letter to the Corinthians. You know, in each of these circumstances, the today moment is that moment of choice, is that moment when God's kingdom grounds. And we can say yes to the kingdom of God. This morning, you've got that chance to say yes This morning, tomorrow morning, you've got that chance to say yes. Tomorrow, tea time, if you've got that opportunity to say yes, I'm getting the idea. It doesn't matter when it is, but God's asking us to look for those moments of significance that bubble up, you know, it wasn't until I started looking into this, I, I mean, I've I know I realize I've done the traditional Neil thing of telling you a story over here, another story over here, another story over here. But, you know, really there are just so many places when the today moment just bubbles up. And that's because that's always what we experience. We can talk about what has happened, and we can talk about what's going to happen. But when we're writing a story, when we're saying what's happened, it's a series of nows. This is what happened. And so God is saying to us, from the Sermon on the Mount to whoever the writer of Hebrews was saying, today, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Listen. Listen to him. God wants us to be alive in him today, in this moment. Living for him. I don't want to be living yesterday. I don't want to be longing for tomorrow to the extent that I miss where I am today. Because where I am today, I've never been before. Today is my favourite day. Said Winnie the Pooh. Any day spent with you is my favourite day, said Pooh. So today is my new favourite day. God says that over you. If I can stretch it. I've quoted other religions. I might as well quote a bit of A.A. Milne. God speaks over you and says, you know, today is my favourite day because any day spent with you is my favourite day. Let's just pray. Oh, Lord, that we could grasp your heart for this now moment. Thank you, Lord, that we are in your story. We're in your story that has stretched through the ages and touches earth in this now. That as we're gathered here, So your kingdom is being grounded into each of us. Lord, I ask you to to touch us so that we are alert to, to the now, the words you are speaking to us, the opportunities we have. Lord, stir us up that we might grasp, that we might grasp your words to us. This is the time to worship. This is the time to give our hearts. Lord, we we long to see you move more powerfully. But Lord, we don't want to lack thanks for what you're doing today. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for the journey you brought us on. Hallelujah. Blessed be your name. Thank you, Lord. There was like a a light bulb moment I felt when I was preparing this and I wanted to slip from my head to my heart. I'm confessing this before you. Where I just realized that actually quite a lot of what I do is live either looking forward or looking back, but missing here. Now, if, if you can at all identify with that, if that's something, well, not at all. I think, I think I need to go a bit. If that's something that you confess, that you realize, because what it's very, very, it's, it's very, very harmful because it robs us. It robs us of that ability to, to just do, to be in him. then i'd like you to i would like to pray for you so indicate in some way i don't know wave wave your hand or something and we'll pray we're going to pray for those people that have recognized that sense so just let's lift our hands father thank you that that you have ordained that we shouldn't be as we have always been but that we should experience your power to change. So as these brothers and sisters are reaching out to you for a, for a power and ability to be different in the now, Lord, we ask you to send your power that there would be signs following your word. Lord, release amongst us that we would live those lives faithful to your promises, faithful to the works you have for us in the freedom that comes from knowing you. Thank you, Lord.